It's, it's really good to be back up here this morning, and thanks to Pastor Eric to uh, fill in for a week and, and take, give me a week of rest. But it was, uh, it was two weeks ago I was up here, 14 days. And I remember how excited I was to be here. I remember it specifically because it was August 27th. And I was so excited because the Indians were on a three-game winning streak. <laughs> so, yeah, so who would have thunk it, huh? Someone suggested to me that if, if it goes up to 25 games, we would, uh, we would refund your tithes and offerings. <laughs> but we thought, no, we better run that through Stewardship Commission, and they didn't think that was a great idea, so I don't think we'll do that. But, uh, yes, yeah, so uh, magic number is nine. And so in honor of that, I want to read the first nine verses of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Uh, that is just coincidence, by the way. <laughs> that's, not, that's not why we picked to read the first nine verses. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 this morning, as we continue our series on one, one purpose, one passion, and one plan. Begins like this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they would not bear again grain. Still others fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I, I really like the book of Mark. It's probably my favorite of the Gospels. And I think one of the reasons I like it is because it, it really, he really isn't too concerned about the birth and all those things. He jumps right in to the ministry of Jesus. And in fact, if you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 9, you see Jesus as an adult being baptized right into the ministry. But in the first couple chapters leading up to this then, you see kind of a, a, a fast-forwarding. It's almost like the, Jesus' ministry just at event after event after event. And you see how he's starting to become popular. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's teaching and the people are getting excited. Verse, chapter 3, it says he's healing many, many folks. Also, by chapter 3, it tells us that there were some religious leaders who were trying to figure out a way to kill him already. And so it's, it's in, this, in this scenario that Jesus finds himself with the crowds coming. And they're coming and they're saying, we want to come and come. And, and they want to hear what he has to say. I can imagine being in that boat. Jesus is there in the crowd and looking out upon him, and he's, he's a little bit back from him. And he starts teaching them in a way that they can hear. And he starts saying, here is our plan. Here is our plan. And, and he starts talking, and, he, and, he's, and he's involved in this, in this what we call a parable. 
And he starts talking to them about farming. And they understand farming because <laughs> probably about 80% of the people at that time were involved in some sort of agriculture, some sort of farming. And so he starts talking about farming. And I wonder if Jesus had walk up on this stage this morning. It's not a boat, but it's separate, and he's got a little room to talk. If he would look out here, and he'd probably look and say, he doesn't really look like a farming crew here. Um, some of you garden and probably garden very well, right? You know about plants. But he might look at you, and, and knowing Jesus, he, he kind of reads the room. And, and he might look around, and, and then he might think about what Pastor Eric was sharing last week. And he would say, let me tell you this story. Let me tell you a story about a man and a woman who wanted to have a party. They set the table. Maybe they're going to watch the first Browns game afterwards. But they set the table, and there's four chairs at that table. And as Pastor Eric shared with us so well last week, this first chair is what we call the seeker chair or the exploring Christ chair. This chair is for anybody. Anybody can come and sit in this chair. And you can bring with you your questions. You can bring with you your doubts. You can bring with you your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups. Whatever you have, come and sit in this chair. And so we have many folks come and they explore Christ. And it's a great chair to be in. We value this chair, as Pastor Eric said last week. But there comes a time. There comes a time, either sooner for some, later for others, where you need and must make a decision. You've got to get up out of the chair and go one direction or the other. You either get out of the chair and you reject Christ, or you get out of the chair and move to the next chair. Those who reject Christ, we're told, will go into a darkness into an everlasting punishment away from Christ if somehow they don't get back. But those who accept Christ start a life's journey that leads to a relationship to him, eventually close to Christ and eventually Christ-centered. And so today we're talking about this chair, this growing in Christ chair that we step into once we say, yes, I receive Christ as Lord, yes, I believe, yes, I repent, then I move from this chair and I sit in this very comfortable chair. Well, yeah, it's pretty comfortable. Comfortable chair. We describe this chair. In fact, if you have your insert in the program that's got the chairs on it, we describe it there and we say this. I've begun a relationship with God and claim the name Christian. I'm now trying to grow through reading my Bible regularly, spending time in prayer and deepening daily in prayer and deepening my Christian relationships. I'm even beginning to give of my resources to God as well as sharing a willingness to share my faith and to serve others. This is a somebody who is growing in Christ. And I love that term, growing, because it makes me think of the agriculture and the story that Jesus was telling. In fact, Jesus is telling about, I think, people that live in this second chair and this third chair as, as we begin to think, how do I grow closer to Christ? How do I make him my Lord and Savior? How do I live day by day with him? And so he tells this story. 
And it's, he tells this parable to folks, and it must have been somewhat hard to understand. And I can imagine if I was sitting in there and it ended where we ended, I might be scratching my head and saying, Jesus, what do you mean? In fact, the disciples were. And this is one of those few parables in the Scripture that it was maybe so confusing that Jesus later, when the disciples asked about it, explained it. So we don't have to guess what it means. And he's explaining it, and he says, first of all, there's this farmer who would represent Christ or represent somebody who shares the word. And they go out and they spread the seed. And he says, that's the word. This is the word, the good news of the kingdom of God. And he says he takes the seed and he spreads it everywhere. It's for everyone. As Pastor Eric shared last week, Go out in the highways and the byways. Go everywhere and spread the gospel. So he goes out with the seed and he spreads it. He spreads it here and he spreads it there. It doesn't matter what the soil's like. He's going to spread the seed. You say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, in those days, the, the, the soil, very likely, they would be, have a path through, through the past, through, through the field. And so there would be a path that would have been tracked down. There, there would be good soil. There would be some soil that maybe wasn't so good. But they would sow. And there seems to be two extremes of soil. There's an extreme soil of that path that is so hard, so hard that nothing can get through to it. That person may not ever even make it to the first chair. Their heart is so hardened. They, They don't want to hear anything about the gospel. Don't even want to hear it. But it might be somebody even that, that started in the first chair, but their heart is, is hard. Maybe the first chair of seeking Christ is more like seeking, eh, let's seek, let's seek Religion, let's seek a good feeling. Let's seek if this can do anything for me. And so not really a heart receptive. And Jesus says the bird that came to take that seed is Satan. And he swoops in and he takes that. And that person falls away. On the other end is great soil. Great soil. The seed's planted. It grows. It produces fruit. And so, and so we have the two extremes But in the middle, where many of us sit, probably at times, is this battle to live a Christian life in the midst of what goes on in our daily lives. And in fact, he says the second soil is a rocky soil. He says it's rocky, and because it's rocky, it doesn't have room to get roots down very deep. Because of that, though, it starts springing up real quickly. So it springs up, and and so sometimes it's that making that decision for Christ. I jump into the second chair. I'm excited. Yes! I don't don't have to go to hell. I can go to heaven. And and God's going to do good things for me. Oh, boy, this is great. I love it. Great people around here. But Jesus says, because that root is so, so shallow, when the troubles and the trials of life come, Persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. They wither up and they die. Then he says there's this third soil, and it's, it's this soil that's pretty good soil, but there's other stuff there. There's thorns, there's weeds, and, and this, the, the plant starts and it grows. And all of a sudden, wondering, okay, wow, I'm, I'm in this. But the trials, the, the, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things chokes our life out. So many times I've seen folks who have started on their Christian walk, but, but when, they realize, when they realize some of the, 
things in their life that they might have to give up, some of the things in their life that are, that are destructive but have become so, such a habit or a hang-up, as we say, and celebrate recovery. It's a, a walk-away time. And so I, I thought of this passage and this explanation by Jesus, and I thought of that old saying that sometimes we hear, bloom where you're planted. Have you heard that? Bloom where you're planted. You know, if you're planting a rotten place, bloom. Anyhow, if you're planting this place, bloom. But as I look at this, I think that's, that's only true to a certain extent. Because I think you have three choices. If you're a plant, if you're a seed, if you're a seedling in one of these soils. One, you stay where you are and do nothing. And I think the warnings from Jesus are very clear. If we, if we come to him and say, thank you for forgiving my sins, I'm excited to go to heaven, and then I do nothing and let the rocks and the weeds and the thorns stay in my life, there's, a, there's an ending of destruction, of, 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 of falling away, of withering. The second thing I can do is I can move and get into a better soil. But sometimes that's not possible. If part of the worries and circumstances of your life are your family or your job or your school, some things you, you, maybe you just can't change. And so you're stuck. He said, I'd love to get into some great soil, but I'm stuck here. I can't do it, and I don't have the fortitude to do it. So the, the third option is to stay in your soil, but start to work on your soil. Start to pick up some rocks. Start to pull some weeds and start to make your soil better. Those are the three choices we have. And I think most of us are on a point where, God, I know there are still some weeds in my life. I know there, there are still some difficulties in my life. I know there's still some, some char character traits that I have. Maybe don't glorify you, that, but more important, don't, don't even let me draw close to you because of the barrier I've put up. And I got a weed that needs pulled or a stone that needs taken out of my life. So as we begin this process of growing with Christ, the first thing to do, the first thing to do, if you're going to clean up and, or, or, or get your soil in better condition, is to listen to what he's communicated to us already. We value this. We say we have a value of God's word at French Church, and that God's word when communicated is what we call Revelation. The first step in growing to Christ, growing close to Christ, or even Christ-centeredness in this chair is to begin to understand that God has communicated with us. He has revealed himself to us. He reveals himself to us through nature. Do you know, I'm amazed that they can tell 100 years ahead of time when the next eclipse is going to be. It's amazing, isn't it? All the things they can, it's because God has created with the precision needed to sustain this world. And it's predictable because God has done. He reveals himself to us in his nature. He reveals himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he reveals himself to his word, through his word. We're told in 2 Timothy that this word of God, this Bible is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we may be equipped to do the good works of the kingdom of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me the way and a light to my path. 
First Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. And he's talking about the word of God so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So we find ourselves here in this, in what I call the dilemma of the second chair. The dilemma of the second chair is that we've accepted Christ, but we found out life still happens. We found out we didn't change totally. Some people maybe. Maybe you know somebody who got saved and every bad habit went away immediately. But chances are, the dilemma of the second chair is that I've come to know Christ. I've claimed him as Savior, but I still face and sometimes give in to the same temptations. I sometimes struggle with the same addictions that I had before. I still have those unanswered questions. But yet, I've taken that step of faith. And so we turn to God's word. And we say, how can you help me through this? How can you help me through it? We got work to do. Let's move on. So we take God's word. We hear God's word. We listen to God's word. You say, I need to know more of God's word. Yeah, I think, I look through the, the thing with the program insert with all the classes in it, the growth groups. I think every day of the week, this, this semester, there is a class on the Bible, one book of the Bible. So you, you, whatever day, there might be a class for you. I need to know the word. We've, I know we've talked about it over the last few weeks, but it's a value we have. It's God's word. We, we get his revelation, and we try to understand it, comprehend it, but it's got to go further than that because the next step after revelation is obedience, is obedience. Revelation is God's part. Obedience is our part. John 14, 15 says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Because of my love for Christ, because I've said, yes, I believe, I accept, and now I'm in this, in this growing in Christ chair. What, the growing in Christ takes on a new dimension when I start obeying what he's revealed to me. He reveals to us through his scripture all the time. He's revealed himself through Christ. He reveals himself through nature. But he reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit as we read this scripture. Take a look at this. Second, Second Peter, or First Peter chapter 2, excuse me. We start to get an idea of some of the things the Bible tells us. And it says this in Second Peter Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And then it's the, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, the Bible starts to reveal some things to ourselves. This is what some, of, some people call one of the vice lists of the, of the scriptures. And we can find others. You know, get rid of this, get rid of that. And we find it, especially in Paul's writings, things that we should get rid of. That's the revelation that comes through the scriptures. But sometimes the Holy Spirit takes that and says, um, Steve, that envy, <laughs> uh, that's you. <laughs> that is a weed in your garden. That's a thorn that's going to choke you and make you less fruitful. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and takes God's word and starts applying it to ourselves. 
That's why it's good to read it over and over again and study it and, and meditate on it. You need to pick up some rocks. There's some things in your life. Slander, your language. What's there? A person growing in Christ is looking for ways to make their soil more better, better more nutritious, so that the seed can grow, so that we can be fruitful. How can we pick up some rocks? How can you pick up some weeds? Well, you know, we have growth groups. We've mentioned that so much, but made a growth group in a community where we can together study the Bible and, and, and encourage each other and help each other. Maybe somebody sees a weed that you don't see in your life. Now, be careful about that. Some people venture into gardens where they're not welcome. <laughs> you know, make sure you're welcome to be in that garden. And kindly, and as we meet together, maybe you could help somebody and say, you know, there's a weed here that maybe we need to talk about. I've had people come to me at times and say, Steve, there's, there's something here in your life that that's a, they didn't use the term weeds or rocks, but that's what they were saying. Your soil isn't quite as good as it could be. And I've had to look at myself and say, you're right, thank you. There's been times I've had to go to someone and ask for help in picking up that rock or getting out that weed. I think maybe you have too. That's why we're the body. That's why we're an authentic community, so we can help each other tend our fields. But it's not just the bad things. We do need to add nutrients too. In fact, Peter goes on and he says this, in chapter two, verse, chapter 2, he says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Keep adding and adding these nutrients to your soil. Then he goes on, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you adding to your soil? Are you putting those nutrients in so that you can grow? I guess the question comes, are we obeying or are we rebelling? Are you obeying or are you rebelling? And when we re obey, we hear what the Word has to say. We hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. Maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to us through another individual and is close to us in our lives. And we say, yes, you're right. And so we have this, they have this situation of, of either obeying or rebelling what God has told, you, told us. Dave Buring, who spoke at our, was the lead speaker at our discipleship conference that we attended in, in February, said this, when God reveals something to us, it is not something to be negotiated but obeyed. When God reveals something to us, it's not something to be negotiated. It's something to be obeyed. But I like what this says here in, in the verse. It says, in increasing measure. Another thing of maybe the, um, the surprises we get in chair one or chair two is that everything just doesn't come right away. We're not perfect as soon as we give our life to Christ. We need time to work on our soil. And it's, Peter says here in verse 8, and you do it in increasing measure. You just keep getting better at it and better at it and better at it. 
as you tend to your soil more, as you, as you pull those weeds, as you, as you get some of those rocks out of the way, you become better and better at it. Paul talks about this farming uh, uh, analogy when he tells the Galatian people, do not be deceived, cannot, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Are you sowing those good things? Are you sowing the goodness and the knowledge and the self-control and the perseverance and godliness and mutual faith? Are those what we're sowing or not? I, I think a corollary to this would be this. You will not reap what you do not sow. What are you sowing into your life? It's got to be the word of God. It's got to be community. It's got to be Christian friends to sow into our lives if we're going to grow and keep moving in our journey towards the Christ-centered chair. And so when revelation is followed by obedience, and that obedience can be tough because sometimes we expect immediate results and we end up having to trust and we trust and we trust. But eventually, we hit the goal of transformation. We value transformed lives. The New Testament talks about transformation. It talks about this inside-out change. It's, it's a word that, and especially in Romans 12, too, when we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, where it comes from internally, much like a, a tadpole transformed to a toad frog or a caterpillar transformed into a butterfly. It's not something we can do. It's something God does through our obedience. I, Dave Beering said this. I love this. Obedience is the engine to transformation. Obedience is the engine to transformation. Revelation is God's part. Obedience is our part. And transformation is what only God can do through us as we continue in his spirit to work our field, to pour weeds, to get our rocks out of the way. The catalyst is God, and it's something we do again and again and again. And one thing you discover, once you start walking with God, once you start working on these things, is that God's not there to penalize you, to beat you up. God wants you to be transformed. In his book, How People Grow, I love this quote from Henry Cloud. He says this, people must discover that God is for them, not against them. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be transformed. And so he's rooting for us. And when we fall down and come to him, it's not, no, 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 you, how could you do that? I think it's, oh, man, you want to grow. Great, great. And he, and he takes us and he forgives us and he sets us on our way. God is for us, not against us. So today's challenge, today's challenge that we take home. I, as Eric did last week, I want, to give, I want to give a couple challenges. One is for those, maybe all of us, because we all are growing in Christ, no matter what chair we're in, but especially if, if you're in this chair here, is take a look like I did this week at your life and see what weeds and rocks need to be removed. Be obedient. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. Reveal through God's word to me what I need to be doing to be drawing closer to Christ. Do I need to get rid of some things or do you need to add some things? Are there nutrients that are needed? And then be obedient. 
do it. I uh, remember, got it written here somewhere. Yeah, the exact wording. It's about a 13-second quote that every now and then I hear on the radio, if I, get, if I have the right or the wrong radio station on, depending on how you look at it. But um, it's, it's, I think it's meant to make fun of him, but there's a quote from the Cleveland mayor, Frank Jackson. And it says, he says this. He says, the problem is we have a problem. It's not that we don't know that we have a problem. We've known that for years. It's not that we don't know what the solutions are. We've known those for years. The problem is we haven't done anything about it. <laughs> and I think that kind of sums up a lot of us. We know we have a problem. We know what the solution is. The problem is we haven't been willing to walk in obedience to what God's calling us to do. But if we want to grow, we got to get rid of those weeds. Got to pick those rocks. Got to get our soil good. So that God, Christ can work through us. challenge for others. Maybe you're, a, maybe you're a third or a fourth chair person, and you got permission to be in the garden of some of these other folks. Have you ever thought about helping them pick some weeds, move some rocks? Have you ever thought about coming alongside and say, how can I help you grow in your Christian life? In fact, as I thought about this, you don't even have to be in the second or third chair. I've seen some of the great people who have shared Christ in this chair. They've turned to this chair and said, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. What can I do to help you? All you got to do is find someone in one chair maybe lower than you are. Or maybe you're in the same chair. and Maybe you can mutually help. Find somebody and say, how can I help you grow? How can I help you in your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups? What's the Lord asking of you? What's the Lord asking of you? The writer of the Hebrews sums it up with these thoughts about growing in Christ. He says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from the evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. What I like about this passage, this call to keep moving forward, to not going over the same things again and again, he starts off and he says, it says, so let us, let us, the series is called One because we believe that while God has called you to move forward, he has called us to move forward. While God calls you to pick some plants, pick some rocks, and, and pick some weeds, he's called us to take care of each other, to help each other, to serve each other, to help each other grow. In that description earlier that we read of this person, they regularly read their Bible they pray daily. They're deepening their Christian fellowships and relationships, and they're willing to share their faith. In ever-increasing measure, 
in ever-increasing measure. I'm not that great on all that, and I'm working at it. No matter what chair you're in, in ever-increasing measure, we're becoming more and more like Christ, Christ-centered. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, I thank you for the challenge this morning. Thank you for speaking to us through a parable that we all clearly understand. We thank you for having this explanation right here in the Scripture for us. But Lord, it's revelation. Help us in our obedience. We know what to do. Some of us just haven't done anything about it. Help us to keep growing in you. Help us, Lord, to seek you this week, to share you this week, to fellowship with our brothers and sisters this week. And Lord, may our soil be softened, watered, filled with good nutrients, somewhere where we flourish and those around us flourish. Our growth group flourishes. Our church flourishes. And it's because of you who transform us through our obedience and we'll give you the praise for all of that. And then, Lord, just now, as we know that hurricane is barreling down on South Florida, again, we just pray for your protection over them. Lord, may your grace and mercy be evident. And through this, may your people shine. And we ask that in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I'd invite you back. Oh, thanks. I invite you back next week. Um, our third chair discussion is going to be uh, interesting. Now, it's, it's just been weighing on my heart as we talk about being close to Christ. And it's being close to Christ through pain and suffering. So that's where we're headed. I'd encourage you to come back ready to hear what God has to say to us. You're dismissed. Go and serve the Lord.